Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, today we are joined by Dr. Paul Jenkins. Dr. Jenkins is a marriage counselor extraordinaire. He likes to be called the man, the myth, the legend. That's what I like to be called, man. <laughs> I've got a cold. Right Hey, did you hear our discussion about goats? I did. Don't you think goats are just more anxiety-ridden than, let's say, a cute little puppy dog? Unless it's a chihuahua. Because little chihuahuas are just stressed out of their head. Yeah, dog psychology. I don't know if we want to get into <laughs> we need that a vet. We need a dog psychologist. <laughs> right. You're here for a different reason. Anxiety. Yeah. Because a lot of... It's a big deal. I see it in Huge. a ton of clients. And... um but it's almost like I'm not sure we all know what it is. We just think mm-hmm. some people are skittish or afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's some kind of normal worries, like the mom that's worried every time her son climbs up on the couch and is playing Superman. Right. Like, that's just normal to have a little fear, right? What's the difference then between a little fear and anxiety? Yeah. And you're going down the right path here, Matt, because fear is a normal experience you should have in it. life. Yeah. And it serves us well, right. too. If right. you don't have some fear... You're, like the, you're, 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 you're doing some pretty dumb stuff. Well, like that lady that we did, they were doing the study on that they have to now, they're trying oh, right. to test her and induce some anxiety mm-hmm. by taking away mm-hmm. her oxygen Well, level. it's a survival mechanism, and that gets back to what the basis of anxiety is. And I like to look at it as having two primary components. So we've got a brain component, yeah. and we've got a mind Okay, component. interesting. So brain, I guess, is more physiology. The brain isn't your mind any yeah. more than your little finger is your mind. Right. It's part of your body. Yeah. It's the most vital organ in your body. Yep. So as an organ in your body, it has some very predictable physiological responses. And different parts of your brain do different things. So there's a part of your brain that is in charge of keeping you alive. Right. At that, that heart rate. Isn't that great Keep news? things happening. Right. Yeah. And... It, it, this part of your body, we'll call it collectively the limbic system. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier the amygdala. There's yeah. some other structures in the brain that contribute to this. But just as you understand that this part of your brain has the job of keeping you alive, and one of the things that it does is it has a reaction to threat. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what is this, a threat? You're about to be harmed some way, shape, exactly. or form. Exactly. And it picks up the, it picks up data that says this could be threatening, right? So you're then the limbic part of your brain is the, to keep your heart, I mean, to keep you from having a problem. Exactly. It's, it's saving your life. Yes, it's a survival mechanism. So a threat appears. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're out here. We've got this beautiful spring weather yeah. here today. And we're out taking a little walk through the woods, and suddenly a big angry bear comes out from nowhere. I wants to rip your face off. You should have a little anxiety right there. You think? (laughs) Yeah. So this originates in the limbic system of the brain. When that threat appears, it triggers a chemical response. And this is important for people to understand because it's, it's an actual signal that goes from the brain to glands located throughout your body and also in your brain. Right. Now, glands, what do they do? They create and store chemicals. There you go. So this is There's where you get a little bit of adrenaline. You get a, what, is, what are some of the chemicals? Adrenaline is like the top one. It's my favorite one. And that's the one most people are familiar well, with. Well, that's okay? the one Skyboy loves, jumping out of an airplane. Absolutely. But see, what the problem is, it's funny now, because, but when he's like 40, he's going to have no adrenaline left. He, his will just have empty little <laughs> adrenal sacs 
of just <laughs> emptiness, and he'll he won't be able to get out of bed. Well, your body naturally creates adrenaline. Okay, and. And it's a necessary yeah. thing for survival because when this signal comes to the adrenal gland, squirt, yeah, shoots it right into your bloodstream. Heart rate goes up. Okay. Exactly. That's what the chemical does. It yeah. causes your heart rate to increase. Your breathing gets yeah. shallow, fast, and, yeah. and you feel this rush. Now, as long as it's controlled, we call it entertainment. That's a good movie. Yeah. A good, like, scary movie. Now, there's a couple of things, though, about this limbic system, okay? Now, it's a natural response. Yeah. Your limbic system is in a primitive area of your brain. It doesn't do any thinking. That's for the higher cortical regions, right. like up in your frontal cortex, yeah. prefrontal stuff. So it doesn't do any thinking, and because of that, it can't discern the difference between a real threat uh, yeah. And a perceived threat or yeah. a manufactured threat. It doesn't know, but it fires no. as if it's it, it fires so strongly that you you feel compelled. You feel yeah. the effect quickly. So you mentioned a good movie. You're yeah. sitting in an intense movie. What happens? Your heart rate increases. Right. You right. start to grab those armrests yeah. just a little too tightly. This is your limbic system reacting to what? Light on a screen. Yep. Sound from the Dolby system. You're not in danger. Yeah. But does your limbic system know that? No. It can't discern the difference. So your so, body has the effect, and then I guess your higher yeah. brain says, dude, relax, it's just a movie. Well, I call that the cognitive override. Yeah. You know, where your thinker yeah. can kick in and say, yeah, you paid eight bucks for the show, yeah. you haven't even finished your popcorn. <laughs> and and so you stay in your seat and you enjoy the feeling because there's a perception of control. A roller coaster is another great example. Yeah. Freaking out your limbic system. Are you really in danger? No. Some yeah. people might debate that. Yeah. Well, but see, you're, I, every time I go on a roller coaster, I'm thinking, okay, they wouldn't let us die. Yeah, you think? They're going to have you locked in. Come All on. the safety inspections and things. And that doesn't matter, people though. just got off smiling. That's right. You're not really in danger. Yeah. But you're freaking out your limbic system, and as long as that control is there, then we call it entertainment. You can get the same feeling driving your car off of a cliff. Yeah. Well, and, see, that's a harder ending. Yeah. That's the one you can't back And your back perception out. of control, you know, the reversibility of the whole yeah. thing. It's, it's so terror and excitement or thrills, pretty much the same thing physiologically. Yeah. Now, psychologically, it's a whole different thing. So that's interesting. So part of what you're battling, whether it's just fear or anxiety, is there's a physiological reaction that doesn't necessarily discern if this is a healthy fear or an unhealthy fear. That's right. And, and so your brain's going to operate that way with or without you. Exactly. It's automatic. It's default. Mm -hmm. And it's survival. Yeah. So and I guess some people have way. better – I mean, I guess – I mean, there's, there's probably better – I mean, if you think of it as a – almost like a switching station, some people have got to have a better switching station of managing some of that. And, I mean, mm -hmm. I assume that some people can't turn that off. You – I think it's on for all of us. Okay. But you're on to something else, too, because you can train that response. Yeah. Or you can train yourself in different situations to respond in specific ways. Right. But here's the other thing. There was some, some brain scan research that was done where they actually go in and they look at pictures of the brain. And have you seen these scans yeah, yeah. where different parts uh -huh. light up in different right. colors? Okay. So in this research, they determined... That when this limbic system, when this fight or flight brain is active, there's actually a decrease of blood flow to the frontal cortex. 
So you actually have less access to your good brain, your high thinker. thinker. Yeah. Exactly. It shuts it down. Now, why? Oh, well, because you're not there to think. Well, go back to the bear for a minute. Here comes the bear. What are you going to do? Don't Sit down on a stump, this. think it through? No. But see, so it's interesting. So then you start, to, you just go by reaction, so you run, mm-hmm. which is probably going to ensure your demise well, with the bear. But um, you don't want to necessarily be thinking there. You want to just react. The gut response to threat is fight. Yeah. Or flight. Yeah. And there are different versions of that. Sometimes we add freeze, but that's kind of a way of avoiding. Yeah. Pretending like it's not it's, there. So the fight or flight response is all that your limbic system is offering you at that point yeah. as a response to this threat. Notice a very binary choice, right? So instead of having yeah. a thousand choices of what to do with the bear, you have two. Okay. So Matt, you and I both work with couples. Yeah. In all a marriage long. problem, okay? Yeah. Do you ever see the fight or flight response? Every fight, every discussion. Do I look fat in this? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> see, but like that right there causes, or honey, can we talk? Yeah. And you see them immediately, their eyes dilate. Yeah. And they've they, they got to start walking. Well, they go into this limbic system response. Yeah, that's the And killer, you look huh? at a marriage problem, what's going to help most, fighting or running mm, away? Neither. Or you don't like your choices. Yeah. So part of our answer to anxiety is to, to re-energize or turn on the part of your brain that can do the logical reason, the high, problem yeah. solving, the higher cognition centers of your brain. Well, and it seems like so, because it doesn't even mean that the data is accurate. Like people could feel anxiety thinking they need to speak in public. Yes. And they actually may be really good at it, but they have a reaction, mm-hmm. an anxiety to it. The body actually, the physiology then makes it feel real. And in reality, mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. So you need to somehow get in that high brain and say, hey, you when, do this all the time. Whenever your limbic system, that, that primitive fight or flight part of your brain perceives a threat, whether it's real or imagined or manufactured or whatever, it's going to kick in this chemical response yeah. that we call anxiety. Now, there's different forms of that. Right. But I said also that there are two yeah. components. So there's the brain, brain component and the mind component. We've been talking about the brain. The mind is you. Okay? Don't blame this on me, Dr. It's the thi- it, It's mad, everybody. <laughs> okay, word. It's not my fault. <laughs> But it's true. There's another side of this. It's the part of you that's inside of there doing the thinking, doing the choosing, doing the discerning, doing the evaluating. Okay? This is the self, the spirit, the soul. What the people call it different things. But this is you. Okay? We'll call it the mind. Now, sources of threat can come from outside of you or your mind can generate them. Absolutely. And it usually happens at a subconscious level with a question. And the question is very predictable. Yeah. What if? What if this happens? Yeah. What or, if? And yeah. You fill why, in the blanks. Yeah, what yeah. if? What if? What if? What if? Your subconscious mind can't even ask that question without also answering it. Yeah. It's going to have an answer, and the answer is typically, "You can't handle that." Yeah. You will fall apart. It'll. You'll lose everything. The alarm goes off. Boom. Triggers the limbic system in the brain, and we're off to the races with fight or flight. Uh, Okay, we're going to come back. I want to get into this mind part because, you know, the physiological, I guess, we can control to a point. There are some tools, and we'll talk about those. we'll get into those. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Paul Jenkins, you know, marriage counselor extraordinaire, stud of the earth, I think is what he wanted me to call him. Not really. 
<laughs> but this guy is walking us through anxiety. He is teaching us about the brain and the mind. We've got to learn to get better control of this. We want to hear your questions. Do you have anxiety issues in your family with the people you love? Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll get you on the We'll get you on the line here with Dr. Jenkins and uh, see if he can help you through with this. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sure, robots are useful, but will we ever build robots that are not creepy? Relatable robots coming up. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Robot manufacturers keep making progress on robots that can use human tools and environments and work with as well as for us. But for every person out there that loves robots, you can also find one who's just plain creeped out by them. That unease humans feel is called the uncanny valley problem, where robots sort of look real but don't act real. Solving this problem has been a goal at Hanson Robotics, which previously built famous animated model robot heads of Albert Einstein, as well as the late sci-fi author Philip K. Dick. Now, Hanson's pushing ahead with even more expressive bots, in an effort not just to escape the uncanny valley, but to give future robots actual empathy for humans, even if only in simulated form. They're doing this with more lifelike artificial robot skin, as well as with software that looks at a human face and reads their expressions to deduce their emotional state and create appropriate responses. Such tech also has therapy applications with certain types of autism patients who have trouble reading the feelings of people around them. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. You've just listened to part of our show. Is there anything you're wondering about? Do you have a question you need answered or a thought to share? Maybe you have a story you'd like to tell. Call into BYU Radio during one of our talk shows and chat with one of our hosts. The number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We'd love to hear from you. Just call 855 855- chat BYU. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're, we're joined here by Dr. Paul Jenkins, uh, marriage counselor extraordinaire, psychologist, and um, the has a website, myanxietyanswer.com. So if you're out there suffering from a little anxiety, trying to figure out how to get your life back instead of just kind of turning it all over to your anxious feelings, he's walking us through. So far, Dr. Paul, you've been telling us about the brain, kind of the chemical reaction Mm -hmm. that goes on. And uh, now we've been getting into the mind. You've kind of differentiated. Your brain is different than your mind. Right. I guess the mind is the... Think of it as the brain is part of the body. Yeah. Okay, just, and the mind the is you. Yeah. That's the simplest and way. And the mind is more like it. the essence, the spirit of you. Right. But have you noticed that you're not in complete control of your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, even if you think you are, just right. sit there for five more minutes and you'll notice that, oh, look at the flower. Well, there's, there's a whole interesting psychology around all of that. Yeah. But here's, here's another simple way to look at this. If you think of your mind as having a top part and a bottom part, 
So the top is the conscious mind. The conscious mind is aware of everything that's going on. So you can describe to me what you're thinking. That's your conscious mind. Yeah. And the bottom, down in the basement, where the lights are off, right, is the subconscious. Sub meaning below. Below the conscious like level. Like subway, submarine. Mm-hmm. Okay, below consciousness, subconscious. Yeah. I've heard so, that like, that's like 90-something percent of your brain is the subconscious. Well, you figure that your brain's in charge of everything. Yeah. So what if you had to think about everything yeah. that's Breathing. going on? Yeah, in yeah. out. All the automatic stuff. So yeah. a lot of that stuff just gets programmed in, but your subconscious mind has this habit also of asking questions. Yeah. And we talked about one just before the break, the what if question. Yeah, what if what I if, can't handle what if, it? What if? And then your your subconscious yeah. can't go without an answer, so it makes one up. And the one that it makes up is typically, We're, you can't handle that. Like the worst case scenario. Because again, it's there to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, your subconscious is down there to preserve you, right. to make sure you're not going to get crushed. So it seems like if you ask yourself a what if question, mm-hmm. the best scenario for the low brain is to go to the worst case scenario. Protect yourself from at least the worst. Right. Isn't I mean, it seems like there's got to be a reason we would be so reactive. But notice this, the worst case scenario is a big threat. Totally. So what does your lizard brain want to do with that? Yeah. Avoid it. Yeah. So run. Don't it's even go to that It's the fight or flight question. response. Right. right. So th- so it's this trap. It's this cycle mm-hmm. where anxiety begins to feed on itself. And to answer that, we've got a couple of tools that we can apply. Okay. And let's start with the brain. Let's go back to the brain first. Yeah. Calming that brain, calming that limbic system response is the first thing we want to do. Because once we do that, we can redirect the blood flow yeah. within the brain to those centers that are taking care of logic and problem solving. Keep and the blood thinking. in your head instead of in your extremities. Exactly. Yeah. So that we can we can use our full resources. Now, the quickest way I know to do this, and this is going to sound really simple, but remember, Matt, we're not talking about the part of your brain that does all of the thinking. Right. No, right. This is a very physiological, very reactive part of your brain. So we're going to talk to it physiologically. Mm. And that's how it makes the best sense for me because it sounds a little hoo-hoo. Yeah, no, but but honestly, okay. it's your brain will respond to the physical. What if I could take you down to, to the hospital and in same-day surgery, we just remove a little portion of your skull <laughs> and we install a switch there. Wouldn't that be great? So that anytime you want, just, oh, oh there you go. That's so much better. Butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do psychosurgery. Right, no. But there's a switch that's already in there. And as you learn how to use that switch, it makes all the difference. Yeah. The switch is breathing. Just just because that's it. Yeah. Because your body, when you're, high, when you're reactive, mm-hmm. alters its breathing faster, faster, faster. Exactly. And it's telling, that's telling every part of your body something. Yeah. Threat, well, threat, it's threat. responding to that chemical infusion yeah. of the adrenaline and other chemicals. So that you're saying triggered. if you consciously alter your breathing. Exactly. Now, this is something that's usually on autopilot. Yeah. Okay. So if you consciously alter your breathing, focus on it, slow it down. And I like to recommend that people breathe in through their nose. Mm-hmm. We're going to mechanically change the way you breathe. Yeah. And have you focus on that for a moment. Okay. So you breathe in through the nose, nice and deep. And you stretch those lungs, and and then you hold. And you yeah. don't have to hold a you're long ne- time. You never hold your breath normally. You know no. what I mean? You, right. Now you're consciously. And the trick is to consciously take control of the subconscious pro- process. Yeah. 
you hold for maybe 10, 15 seconds, a little longer if you can, but that doesn't matter too yeah. much. And then you release through your mouth slowly. Yeah. Now, usually when we exhale, it's just like, <sighs> yeah, get it out. But I, I'm talking purse your lips yeah. and just like you're blowing out birthday candles. And nice and, it, and slow. No, but that works. And then you push it out because usually when you exhale, you leave about 30% of your yeah, lung capacity. You want all of that emptied out. You want to push it out because that's going to allow you to breathe in even deeper the next time. And you do this three or four times through your in through the nose, yeah. hold, out through the mouth, mm-hmm. slow, measured, focused breathing. Guess how you're going to feel? Oh, yeah. Calm. I mean, do you feel it a little bit? Just oh, absolutely. Having done the little bit, and we you know did. what? The whole time I'm thinking of when I was in journalism school, and they were teaching us how to be ready to read the script on TV. Mm-hmm. They'd always say, "What I like." We talk to the anchors, and they, well, what I like to do is take a deep cleansing breath right before I go on the air. Right. Every time the camera before the camera comes back, I like to breathe you in. You said that in a nice anchor you, voice. That's, too. I was trying to do that, mm-hmm. but the irony of it is that's all they were doing. They were just getting rid of right. any nerves by breathing through it. And then all of a sudden you're at this peaceful state. That's almost like a little reset button. Uh-huh. Just boom, you hit yeah. that button. And this doesn't solve anything. No. Okay. You'll notice that all the problems in your life are still well, there. Yeah. You still got the husband that's the a breathing. jerk. You still got the wife that doesn't Absolutely. care. You're still yeah. going into bankruptcy, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But it gives you the resources now to think this through. Now you've got some blood going back to your head. Exactly. Love that. And that's so easy. Yeah. Who can't breathe? It's well, well someone that's hijacked. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're being hijacked by this part of your brain that loves you, wants yeah. you to be safe, doesn't want you to be bare chow. Yeah. That's right. Doesn't want you eaten by the this bear. This is not right. But it's nothing personal. Your brain's not trying to destroy you. It's just reacting to something without you choosing it. But you start right. breathing, you're kind of taking it back. We're taking over the controls again and and enacting a part of your brain that has the capacity to solve this. That's huge. Or at huge. least to come up with some answers that, that are different. Can that help people that, um, let's say they've been to a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist or something, and they've been diagnosed with anxiety? Okay. Can that still help them? Absolutely. I mean, it's still right then garnering control. Whether you have an official diagnosis or not. This is the process that's occurring. Yeah. And a lot of times the docs are going to try to address this in different ways. Right. And it depends on their philo- philosophical orientation, obviously. What does a medication do? It changes your body chemistry. Yeah. So I guess that's a slower reaction. What does deep breathing do? It changes your body chemistry. But the We're interesting thing the is one time. of them is in your hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming the big, har- the hardest part about that is to actually notice you're being hijacked by your uh, your fight or flight brain mm-hmm. soon enough to not already be so flooded that you can bring it down. Well, even if you're flooded, what are you going to do? Yeah. Continue to panic? Yeah. That's an option. Breathe through it. <laughs> or And just sit down. Now, here's what I would recommend. Yeah. Practice it. Well, that's, I mean, that's yoga. That's meditation. It, that's... Exactly. Well, those things... Help you to That's, accomplish the yeah. same thing that we're talking about here. Anything that you practice, you get better at. What if you've been practicing panicking? <laughs> I'm master. Pretty it. darn good at it. <laughs> that guy can really panic. So here's what I would suggest, especially if you're dealing with some anxiety or someone that you love is dealing with some anxiety. Practice breathing. And by that I mean three to five reps. In through the nose. In through the nose. Out through hold, the mouth. Hold 10, 15 seconds. Out through the mouth slowly. Push it a little bit. 
Okay. Empty it so out. So you're stretching. Now that's one rep. Love it. You do three to five of those, three times a day, five days. And what it does is it gives you a more conscious control over a typically subconscious process. Love that. And then when you're starting to get flooded, when you feel the triggers, even one breath, if you've practiced, even one breath can help to reverse that process physiologically and put you back in control with your thinking brain. And you can, I mean, what's so great about that? So the the child that's a little anxious that's about to go take his test... Mm -hmm. We could we can teach our kids this and oh, have a yeah. breathing exercise, or the one that then has to get up and give the report. We can do the breathing right, exercise or the piano recital or whatever it the is. The thing that's powerful about it is, it just brings you present. And when you're present, you're not asking the what if, the future question, and no. you're not thinking about what happened last time. Mm-hmm. You're just present in this moment, mm-hmm. which I guess most of the time would kind of teach you there's nothing to fear right here. Anxiety is all about the future. Yeah. Because right now everything's okay. Yeah. And I blew it the last time, so it's going to happen again. Right. You start to predict Isn't all of the mess? failure. See, it's, mm-hmm. it, I love that it's that simple. So breathing is one technique for the brain. That's the brain tool. Is there, and really I guess what you're doing is you're just, you're, you're giving your brain some other physiological activity to have to pay attention to. Right. Which will maybe um, steal back the reaction. Well, and remember, the limbic system is kind of in the dark. Yeah. It doesn't go out there and discern, is this a real threat or not? It just responds as if it is. Mm -hmm. So you can trick your limbic system. We do that all the time on a roller coaster or in a movie. Yeah. You can trick your limbic system. Listen to what I said. Yeah. Even if you're in danger, you can trick it into calming down. And if you're not in danger... Let's instruct our limbic system what to do on our behalf instead of being taken hostage by it. And that's all we're doing through the breathing. That really probably is the same thing that's going on in anger management classes and all of these Mm -hmm. other things where you've got to learn to control this reaction. And Matt, I teach this in anxiety. I teach it in marriage counseling. I teach it in anger management. Do you see how the application is the same same in all of those? It's funny because it almost seems like our brain is at odds with us. Right. In a way, it is. And it, it, it's there to save us, mm-hmm. but we're no longer, you know, having a raptor chase us. Right. Now it's just our wife wanting to talk. Yes. But it feels the same. And how many of you are married to a bear? That's exactly. Please don't answer too Do quickly. Not call with that question. Right. Paul, good stuff. We're talking to Dr. Paul Jenkins. You can uh, find out information about Paul's stuff at myanxietyanswer.com. He's a marriage counselor, psychologist. He just gets it. He gets anxiety. He, In fact, you know, he it says it only takes a few sessions to, to learn how to manage this in your brain. Um, we're going to come back, and Paul's going to get into the mind side of this. So we've kind of got the breathing tool for the brain. We're going to go find out what the tools are for the mind. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show again. If you have questions about anxiety in your life, in your family, if you have anything you want to share with Dr. Paul Jenkins or ask him, now's your chance. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
In the face of steep new budget cuts, a new House measure is trying to make certain the nation's defenses are as strong as ever. The measure plans to fund the government through the end of the fiscal year and give the Pentagon more flexibility for readiness and training programs. According to a Reuters source, President Obama is planning to appoint David O'Connor to head the Secret Service. O'Connor is the former assistant director of investigations for the Secret Service. After a strange trip to North Korea, White House officials are slamming former pro basketball player Dennis Rodman and North Korean leaders. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney said today the North Koreans should focus on providing basic needs to their people, not entertaining celebrity guests. The weather in Washington is soon to match the moods of lawmakers after last week's failed sequester negotiations. A nasty snowstorm is headed towards the capital that could be the largest to hit the D.C. area this season. Demolition crews could get a better look at the massive Florida sinkhole that swallowed up a man last week. Crews are raising what is left of the man's home before deciding how to fill the hole. In world news, Syrian rebels have seized a provincial capital as they continue to advance in the now two-year-old conflict. Reporters say the opposition fighters have been smashing statues of current President Bashir Assad's father. Malala Yousafzai, the 15-year-old girl who has recovered after being shot in the head by Taliban assassins, has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Also nominated was Bradley Manning, the U.S. Army private accused of leaking classified information to WikiLeaks. It's been four days since the Pope stepped down, and already over 100 cardinals are in Vatican City in preparation for the conclave. Many have expressed excitement about the possibilities a new Pope can bring. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking anxiety. We have Dr. Paul Jenkins with us, who is a, uh, a psychologist, a marriage and family counselor. He he gets it. He gets anxiety, and, um, you know, there's a million different ways, I guess, to skin the anxiety cat, which sounds really bad. <laughs> if we'll that work doesn't on cause your anxiety. Later. But, uh, but Dr. Jenkins has been teaching us there's basically two ways around this. You got to kind of have a brain approach, you got to have a mind approach. The brain approach he was teaching us, you know, you can use one technique is just breathing, getting our breathing right. Yeah, that's the quickest one. It's the quickest, I know. fastest way to communicate to mm-hmm. the brain, too. But you know what else? Exercise. Yeah. Some people like yoga, meditation. Anything that has that calming effect is going to help what us if, to get there. Like what calms me is a really good Twinkie <laughs> and, or any kind of fried food. And hostess is that out. a problem? <laughs> anyway, don't go there. Um, but so maybe don't go eat to calm yourself. Breathing, exercise, yoga, some form of meditation, some prayer, things like that will be just as effective. But you were going to get into the mind side, yes. and uh, and then we have a caller, Marcia from Idaho. We're going to bring on in a minute Great. that I think I th- think you're going to be able to help a lot. Let's. Uh, so what's the key on the mind side? The mind is. You kind of the inner you, the, the, the this is the you, the thinker, the decider, the one that's that's you. Yeah, and there's a subconscious portion of your mind that is asking this "what if" question. Yeah, what if and, I can't do this? What if mom dies? What if they don't come home? So here's the tool. Yeah, answer the what ifs. But we're going to bring it up from the basement. 
Okay. okay. Because we know how the subconscious is handling that question. The subconscious is saying, you can't handle that. You can't handle this question, so don't even ask it. And if you can't handle something, that's a huge threat. We yeah. just triggered the limbic system. Boom, off to the races. Yeah, you're too weak for this. So we're going to bring that question from the basement up to the conscious mind, and we're going to answer it truthfully. Okay. Interesting. Now, this is tough, especially because... Everything inside of us is saying, no, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. So if the issue is uh, public speaking opportunity, someone's going to go out, they're they're feeling a ton of fear, a ton of insecurity Mm -hmm. about this opportunity to speak publicly. Mm -hmm. You're saying instead of just telling them it's not a big deal, it's not not a big deal. It's going to go great. You're saying we have to answer the question. The the worst case, what if? That's the one your mind is asking. Yeah. So then you go down deep and you say, how do you answer that? So here's a, here's a quick example. I had a couple in my office fighting, just going after it. I got them sat down. It was a young couple. Yeah. I uh, got them sat down. I said, what's going on? They said, well, our gas is going to get shut off on Friday. So why are they fighting? Yeah. Well, it's because they're both in fight or flight mm-hmm. mode. Hijacked right? by their... They don't even have a beef with each other, no. really. Right. But they're panicking because of this. So I asked them the question, what if what your if it gas happens? gets shut off? And her response was, oh, probably will. <laughs> and I said, I know. And then what? If it does, See, they then had what? never taken it to that point. And we don't want, yeah, that's it. The, the we're, mind we're is too, avoiding Well, it. we're already too busy running and fighting. Right. So I pushed him on it. I said, seriously, what then? What if your gas gets shut off? I and they paused we... for it. It totally took them off guard, but they paused for a minute. They started thinking. This was in the winter. It's cold in Utah in the winter. Yeah. They had a little baby. And he finally said, well, you know what? We can bring the kid in our room. We've got a little electric space heater. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay, what else? And then she came up with, yeah, and we've got some extra blankets in the closet. I guess we could bring those out. Yep. And then I chimed in, are you going to take a cold shower? Are you going to warm up some water on that electric stove of yours and take a bath? You know, finally, they're seeing this as a pioneer adventure. Yeah, we can do this. And I saw their fight or flight response visibly just leave. Yeah. Okay. Because well, you're, you're handling it. Right. It's no longer the ghost in the basement. Now, check it out. As soon as we answered the what if question truthfully, they changed their answer from we can't handle that to I guess we could handle it, huh? Uh-huh. We'd have to. See, so inherently, we can answer the question. It's just, it's almost the, right. so anxiety is the tension of having this question that might even be a little erratic mm-hmm. that's not being answered. It is being answered. That's the point. Oh, it's being, it's being answered, answered in the worst case scenario ne- you negatively. You can't handle that. Yeah. Whether it's the worst case yeah. or something less than that, your mind has you convinced that you can't handle it, and so you're panicking. And yet, if you bring it out and surface it, you got it. When you answer the what if question. Honestly. And you, you do said. it truthfully, because mm-hmm. seriously, Matt, yeah. what can you not handle? Right. If you had to. I had a, a couple of kids teach me this in a powerful way when their parents were brutally murdered. Yeah. Okay? I can't think of much that's harder I mean, yeah. than that. Yeah. And this little 10-year-old boy, I'm talking to him almost a year later, and I said, buddy, what if a year ago I'd have asked you, you know, do you think you could handle it if both your parents were killed? He's like, no way, man. But then he said, but I am handling it, huh? Boom. And bless his heart. I mean, it yeah. wasn't easy. And I'm not saying you'd want to sign up for it. It would be fun. Yeah. But can you handle it? See, that's a whole different question. When you answer that truthfully, yeah. then you've got a whole new ball game. 
See, I think that's it, isn't it? Because then all that's of a sudden, that's the crux of anxiety, right there. What on earth can you not handle? Yeah, and I submit that you can handle anything that comes up. Yeah, especially if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If it's in your face. And you know what? Interestingly, that is probably the most common answer that we get to when we answer it consciously. Oh, I guess I'd have to. Yeah. Could I handle it if my child was abducted? Could I handle it if I yeah. failed in this proposal? Could I handle yeah. it if... Well, it's not like you'd want to. I wouldn't want right. to handle it. That's not the question, though. And But yeah, your fear is more, can I handle it? Okay, great. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to Marcia then. Now, Marcia is up in Preston, Idaho. Near Preston. Up from here. Up from Salt Lake City. That's right. Or where are we? Provo, Utah. So, Marcia, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Now, you have a child, right, uh, that's suffering from some anxiety? I have a 12-year-old son. Okay. Mm. And he just, um, he's in sixth grade. He started in a junior high this year, so it's a little bit of a transition for him. Oh, boy. That's a a big deal. A little bit stressful. Yeah. A little Mm -hmm. bit harder in school. For sure. He's a good student. He's an athletic child, but he... We've talked a lot about the what-if scenarios, he, but he's developed these nervous habits, and mm. he can't, you know, he, he twists his neck quite a bit, or he'll bulge his eyes, or he'll, um, he, he kind of started out cracking knuckles, and it's just kind of progressively gotten worse, and I feel like mm-hmm. I've treated him with a little bit of anxiety um, medication, but also, you know, talking and doing this worst-case scenario, things like that, and I think mm-hmm. he, he doesn't seem to verbalize it, like he's as stressed out as I feel like he was at the beginning, but now he's left with these behaviors, and and mm. I, I don't know, you know, best road to take now with him. Great question. And it sounds like you've already taken on a lot of important things to help your son. And, well, we're trying. You know, junior high is a really tough time anyway. Yeah. And there's a lot of questions that start popping up in kids' minds that naturally trigger the anxiety. And uh, so it's really common actually to see it around that age. And you know what else? And I've seen this particularly with with bright, intelligent, high functioning yeah, kids. Yeah, kind of some of the, yeah, the gifted too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we see anxiety more with with the brighter kids. For what, and I think it's because yeah. the mind is more mm-hmm. active. Yeah, and maybe yeah, they're pick, maybe they're more aware, they're picking up mm-hmm. things that others might not pick up. Yeah. It seems like he's kind of pushing it into it so he's ma- he's still manifesting physiologically. Some of these, like I guess you call them tics or movements. Yeah, tics or nervous habits are a pretty common side effect of of anxiety. And I think what's happening there is the mind is just trying to release some of the tension that's going on, that's building up mentally. So as we do these other things, and we've shared uh, two tools today. One is the breathing. Mm -hmm. And and other things that really help, especially with... um, with kids is having them have some kind of a physical outlet. And this is one of the reasons that they're doing some of the physical like the knuckle cracking stuff too. Yeah, yeah. the shoulder shirking or whatever. Um, yeah. Having having some more physical outlets where they can uh, not only exercise but have have a way to discharge some oh, yeah. of that energy. Does do do you, should she be pointing out to her son what he's doing? And then maybe well, like saying, aware. I mean, we've talked. Yeah. About okay. So you know about it. He knows he does it. He, he looks at it like, ah, oh, I've just got to break some bad habits. And I'm like, no, you know, he's beating himself up. He's very, very active. I mean, he comes uh-huh. home and go run three or four miles. Oh, wow. He can come home. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has the physical um, outlet. He, he, he's in a four day school week. So we sit in school mm-hmm. from eight to four every day. 
but every recess, man, he or he just has the one recess, and I think that might be part of the problem too. Is he eats lunch and just gets outside, where before he was used to three recesses in the elementary school. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's in more class time, but I have him. You know, he plays sports. He's very, very active, and he he. He realizes he doesn't, and he, mm-hmm. he's had kids ask him before, you know, why do you breathe? It's like he can't ever get a full deep breath. Yeah, right. Hyped up. He's just revved up all the time. And Have you ever worked I with just, him on that breathing idea? Well, after I've heard today on your show, I'm going to try it a little bit more, but I have tried to sit down and do that relaxation thing with him at night where you, you know, mm-hmm. tell him to relax each part of their body, mm-hmm. and I've had him do the breathing, but oh, excellent. I've not seen a ton of progress yet, and mm-hmm. of course it's been you know since august when we started school that i feel like a lot of this started appearing Mm -hmm. this is one of the things too where anxiety tends to feed on itself and matt you were asking should she point it out yeah it seems like that would might create more problems i wouldn't necessarily he's already aware of it as you pointed out yeah he's wanting to work on it the i think one of the best things you can do there is to to downplay it a little bit that it's okay. not that big a deal. Like normalize it. Because it's very one of, normal. A lot of kids feel that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And can he overcome this? Absolutely. Okay. You know, one of the what-if questions that's going to be surfacing from his subconscious is, what, what if this gets worse? What if I never mm-hmm. get over it? You know, these are the ways that anxiety tends yeah. to feed on itself. What if all the other kids, yeah, what if the kids start noticing this? What's mm-hmm. going to happen right. to me in five more years of this? Right, and I don't want to. I don't want to draw attention to myself. So he's the type of kid anyway that's never been a big. He's got talent, but he doesn't want to be a superstar kind of thing because because of that. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it affects their confidence. Mm-hmm. Totally, make them feel. You know, I wonder if it might be valuable to just because he's no longer getting the physiological workouts he was probably getting at every resource in or every in recess. recess in mm-hmm. the in the uh, elementary school that you couldn't create a pattern of him two or three times an hour doing a breathing exercise. Like right when he moves to the next class and sits down, that maybe you kind of get him to have a process of breathing, you know, kind of preventatively breathing. And then maybe, I don't know, something where it's almost like part of his routine. With with my clients, I've found that as they practice it, and this is a practice at home kind of thing too. Yeah, Then they have that tool available if they start feeling that anxiety coming on, then they can use it in the moment. Yeah, and, it seems like yeah. uh, it's it, it, a lot of this is just it's trial and error, isn't it? It's kind of finding what works for him. I mean, like I just know simply standing up and walking around for two mm-hmm. minutes settles me down again. I mean, there's probably little things he's just got to find out about his own approach. Yes, to this. and it's going to go a long way to help help normalize this for him yeah. too. Uh, well, I, I've watched, you know, on his Google searches, I've seen, I've looked at his iPod and thing, and he'll search, you know, how to stop bad habits or how to, I, I know oh, he yeah. wants to try to overcome it, and he'll sit and, mm-hmm. and sometimes I just take my hand and put it on the shoulder when I yep. can tell he's doing a lot of things at one time. I don't say a word, I just put my hand on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and I'll feel that relief out of his body, like, Isn't it's that okay, amazing? But, I can't go to school with them, you know, and I can't be there every minute. Well, you so could, I don't but that would just induce me. more anxiety. Yeah, right. probably, yeah. yeah, amen. <laughs> don't do that. I, I think... don't want to. <laughs> I just, you know, I feel like I'm a calming force for him, but I don't know how to teach him to be a calming force for himself and that it really mm-hmm. is going to be okay. Well, and right. he's 12. Yeah, right. I mean, this is, he's, it's funny because he's, he's probably just getting into 
really being independent enough of, as a thinker to actually start even noticing his own reactions to this. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of at the ver- This is just the beginning. Well, that's an age when yeah. they start to care more about yeah. it, too. Yeah, he's becoming more aware socially. Right. And Marcy, I think, right. you're, I think you're doing all you can do. I guess one thing Dr. Jenkins is yeah. saying, normalize it. Make sure we okay. keep it like it's a normal thing. And right. I guess reassure that he's going to learn more and more skills to do this. Sure. Maybe focus a little bit on the breathing. That Okay. And answering the what ifs, and that can be kind of a tricky one uh, because there's such a natural avoidance to it. Yeah. I mean, like the what if question, what if I don't get over this? Yeah. Well, yeah. the truthful answer to that is that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We all, especially Matt and I, have weird quirky habits. Oh yeah, we're we're ticking all over the place, and that can be a little a little freaky to someone who's looking at their own yeah. newly developing habits and wondering, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, am I going to be weird like Matt? No, see, I, I don't want to be like that. Uh, but you know, what's interesting is I have seen people that they went and researched people that have anxiety, or pe- they've researched. One person mm-hmm. had ADD, and he went and researched famous people with ADD. Right. And it, and it all of a sudden became so cool and normalized because no way this guy has ADD or this guy has anxiety. Right. So it might be worth, you know, kind of saying, you know, there's really cool athletes that have a little anxiety or there's really. Yes. And just normalize him. And I could name some, but I'm under confidentiality. Yeah, no, exactly. Rules on that. exactly. But we know who they are. Yeah, totally. Well, I think yeah. I think the other thing, Marcia, too, is it sounds like. Just don't you become anxious because of his anxiety either, because he's probably going to read that in you as well. Sure. <laughs> Maybe okay. just keep hugging him when you can. And I mean, it's these. This too shall pass. Yeah, and you brought up a whole new topic, Matt, and I know. that is anxiety tends to be shared. Yeah, handed down. And uh, even. you know, Marcia, as parents, we we really are sensitive to how our kids are doing, and that can trigger emotions in ourselves. So watch that yeah. as well. Marcia, stay on the phone, and um, we'll get your name and address, and I'll send you out a copy of my latest book. That's some great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you, and Thanks, good luck Marcia. to your son. Thank you. What a good—I uh, mean, it's interesting, because this—we're worried. You know, mom and dads get worried. We don't—and then it's funny, our worry may get handed down to our cute little son. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Well, you know what? I just thought of another example that uh, sometimes when parents are sending their kids off to yeah. an event or something, no, don't worry. Don't it's all going to be yeah. okay. It's, it's going to be fine. And Mom. they're like, what? Should I be worried? I wasn't even worried. Oh, Mom, my you gosh. like you're freaking out. Some, yeah. <laughs> Interesting yeah. stuff. Okay, we got about 30 seconds doc, with Dr. Paul Jenkins. What's When we think of anxiety, we're talking mm-hmm. mind and body, uh, mind and brain. What's mm-hmm. like? What's the one thing? What's what's the one thing you feel is core, key to watch for? I think probably the main thing to realize, just like we we're talking about with Marcia, is that this is an, a normal experience to have. Yeah. Okay, now can it hit a clinical level? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But this is a normal human experience to have anxiety. It's part of your brain's natural way of taking care of you and keeping you safe. Yeah. So it doesn't mean anything's broken, but there are tools you can apply to calm the brain. Yep. And steer the mind. A little breathing. That's what it comes down to. Calming the brain. Use some breathing. Like we talked about, uh, steering the mind is going to the what-if question. Primarily asking and answering truthfully that what-if question. And if you have more questions or or concerns, you can also go to myanxietyanswer.com. That's right. We have a four-part video series there 
for anxiety, and it'll it'll cover everything that we've talked about here today and give you some tools to use at home. Well, and that's huge. And then they'll get more of you. And they, sure. they can also go, can they find your blogs and stuff on there and your uh, podcast? DrPaulJenkins.com, spelled Dr. Paul with Jenkins. D-R. DrPaulJenkins.com. You really ought to listen to his podcast as well. He's he's just he he's a he's really got a ton of information. And we just launched a YouTube channel. You're everywhere. So we're having some fun out there, yeah. Dr. Paul Jenkins, uh, check him out at drpauljenkins.com or my anxiety answer. Is there an S in that? My anxiety answer. My anxiety He'll help you with that. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Paul. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more ideas. Wrap up the show on anxiety. I think we're going to get into is it a phobia or not right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The next location for a manned space station might be really far out, as in beyond the moon. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. As NASA contemplates the next steps in manned and unmanned missions to the moon, Mars, faraway asteroids, and more, the question arises, where is the best place to put a space station for supporting deep space missions? The current space station is in low Earth orbit, only about 400 kilometers high. That's still rather deep in Earth's gravity well. To go into deeper space, some advocate a station that's literally far out, even beyond lunar orbit. Thanks to orbital mechanics, there is a location that's uniquely qualified for a deep space jumping off point. It's the Lagrange Point, called L2 for short. Lagrange points are spots leading and trailing the orbit of Earth around the Sun, a million and a half kilometers past Earth's orbit where the pull of gravity balances out so that an object at the L2 point stays there until you want to move it. You can save a lot of fuel drifting parked at L2, yet you only need a small rocket burn to jump off in any direction in space from that spot. L2 might end up as our bus station to the entire solar system. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There's a new way to listen to BYU Radio with our free iOS app. Download BYU Radio's app on your iPhone or iPad for live streaming and program schedules. It's the newest way to tune in for your favorite broadcast. Just search BYU Radio in the App Store, download, and enjoy. BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Great stuff about anxiety. I mean, it really affects us all. It's uh, it's the non-discriminating problem, anxiety. We've all got a little bit of it. The breathing technique, it truly works. I use it uh, when I'm trying to deal with Skyboy here, and he's being crazy, and I've got to sort through his antics. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I just cough a little bit. Did you just <laughs> cry like a baby? Uh, no. Hey, we want you to play this with a sky boy. We have this really fun game that we made up that we thought was really funny, and I'm not sure if it's going to be as funny as it was when we were playing it. It's called 
Is this a phobia? Yeah, that's pretty much. Or, well, I guess guess the phobia. Guess the phobia. <laughs> I don't know. I got some weird words here, and okay. I want to see if you guys can figure it out. Okay, you're going to give us the word. We have to word. guess what the phobia is. Yes. Okay. Right? You First, playing, Skyboy? Sure, I'm down on this. Is Rob in? Rob's, Rob's taking care of something. Okay. Venustrophobia. Easy. Do you know what this is? Scared of going to Venus. Okay, Matt, what is it? Um, Venustrophobia is the fear of a woman's razor, leg razor. Like, no. Uh, That's a good product placement, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but you guys... uh, You guys scare me. You guys fell for the trap that I wanted you to fall for. It's the fear of beautiful women. Like the Roman slash Greek slash whatever it's based on. Have you ever seen Skyboy when a really pretty woman walks in? (laughs) He just locks up. Yeah. He's like a fainting goat. He just just, passes out. Yep. You just push him, he will fall over. Okay. (laughs) Next one Astrophobia. Oh, easy. What is it? Fear of the Houston baseball team. Ah, hey, that's, I did not see that coming. Yep. They were fear of eating an Astro Burger. Uh, oh, wow, this is coming from out of nowhere. No, you guys are wrong. Good Astros. <laughs> Thank you. Don't you think? Reference. I wish they're not even around. Are, are they, they still called the Astros? They're, they're still called the Astros. They're still are called they? the Astros? Yes. I See, was, but they, they did so poorly for Houston? so long. I am. Yeah, I was. It's fear of the Astro <laughs> uniform, because that was an ugly uniform. That was an ugly uniform. I don't know. When I was growing up, they were good. Were they? How would I just Because they had Nolan way? Ryan. Wasn't he the Astros? He pitcher? was. He played for the Craig Rangers. Biggio. Oh, he was the Rangers. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. They had a lot of good guys. So uh, what is it then? Uh, fear of stars or celestial space. Uh, people are afraid of that? I guess. I don't know. It's, wow. Stars are very far away. Not <laughs> really going to bother you. Well, in Russia, I could get it now when those meteors yes. are falling. They will fall onto you. Okay. Okay, here's another one. Textophobia. Texto would be fear of writing. Okay. Fear of texting? No, you guys fell for it again. <laughs> I am so, so clever. <laughs> I'm so clever. Uh, textophobia is the fear of certain fabrics, as in textiles. Uh, textile. <sighs> like if you're afraid of like velour pantsuits. Uh, I, I don't. I think that's just common rational. That's just um, bad fashion. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, you see this a lot in like daytime television. I don't know that this was such a huge thing. Really. But people will be afraid of cotton balls. Really? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't, but people are terrified. Like, you open up the Tylenol um, oh, thing, and there's cotton, cotton ball there. looming on the top. Just like waiting for you? I haven't seen it. I, I don't yeah. see it, every, but every now and then, you have to yank out that cotton ball, mm. and it's terrifying. Okay, uh, how much time do we have? How are we, okay, Three we're minutes. Okay, here's another one. Chirophobia. Egypt, fear of Egyptians. Okay. That was my guess. That was your guess? Well, or of Cairo, I guess, just the place. Say, okay. To make it different. Well, um, I may be... Not spelling it right for you guys, but it's like Cairo as C H I R O. Do you want to change your answers? Fear of time. Fear of time. Time. Fear. Okay, that'd be more like. Well, go for it. Chrono. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with mine. You're sticking with yours. <laughs> fear of hands. Oh. Oh my word! Is like, that a hand? Ah. Yes. It <laughs> do you have hands on arm. the end of your arms? How do you deal with that? Yeah. If you know. have hands. What if you're? Is it afraid of your hands? Your own hands? I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna assume other people's hands. Like, what if you, like, wake up and your hand's right there? Actually, you know, you, like, sleep wrong and your arm will fall asleep and you don't expect that arm there and that hand is waiting. torture, man. Okay, a couple more. Okay, symmetrophobia. Oh, I got this one. Okay, what is it? It's fear of people's, of symmetry. Okay. So having someone's face, you only like faces that are out of, that are asymmetrical. Okay. You don't want a face that's symmetrical. Like Skyboy, for example. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say the opposite of that. You're scared of things that are not symmetrical. You right. want things to be symmetrical. 
Okay, point goes to Matt. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not, Dr. Matt. <laughs> but it is the fear of symmetry. Really? Yeah. I totally guess. Which I don't get why you'd be afraid of that. You only want people to have asymmetrical faces. You, you want to see things that are wonky and yes. And... I think those are plastic surgeons, by the way. Ah. One more. Let's do one all right, more. One this more. Is a fun one game. more. All right. I'm gonna trick you guys again, okay. like I have for all of these. Graphophobia. Graphophobia. You are afraid of a skin graph. Okay. I'm that's I'm terrified of that. I was gonna say bone graft. Bone graft? But Ooh. I guess I'll say no, char- it's 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 the cartographer's fear. It's fear a fear of maps. Of, it's a fear of maps and charts, <laughs> graphs. Uh, fear of grafting in a branch into a tree. Okay, well, <laughs> it actually goes back to your guys' answer for textophobia. It's the fear of writing, specifically handwriting. Uh, weird, right? See, I had graphophobia. I thought that was ex- when I'm afraid of Excel spreadsheets. No, I'm with you because I can't do that. I'm with you. A nice, mm. a nice, uh, you know, pie chart. I'm gonna yes. scream out of the yeah. room. Can't stand run. It. I like a histogram myself. Oh yeah, that's I'm, good. I'm yeah, I love a good histogram. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up. Good stuff. See, I like a, a good. Uh, you can't have enough phobia games. You know what I mean? I well, you can't have enough phobias, or maybe you can have too many phobias. Apparently, but let's play games about it. Yeah, and let's, let's laugh. Maybe at those that's a phobia in of it itself. And we Afraid hope not to offend anybody that had any of those phobias. But if you do, you know. You've just we've just made it more public for you. We have it's breathing technique, right? Breathe, breathe, breathe through it, and breathe. ask the what if question. Thanks for listening. That is the show, my friends. You know, on the program, we're here to give you tools, ideas, hopefully a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. Trying to give you a better view and uh, hopefully a cleaner, easier way to deal with your life. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.